Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with Catfish and I'm joined by the reigning champ. I'm going to give you the title again, Matt. <laughs> it's the 2022 overall champion. Off to a little bit of a rough start to the title defense, but not definitely definitely not out of the, <laughs> out of the running or anything like that. Uh, so Matt, we were uh, just chatting last night. We've gone through the games, although we did have some dramas at the end there. So we're going to jump straight into that. But thanks for jumping on with me again. We're going to tackle those last two games that we weren't able to record uh, properly last night. We're going to crunch some numbers. We're going to talk about captains, and we're also going to dive deep into some strategies. So I am pumped. How are you feeling today? Yeah, mate, definitely appreciate um, the reigning champ call, and I think you've undersold it by saying how shaky my first week was, but definitely not not over till they start singing at the end. So yeah, I'll, I'll appreciate it if you keep to start so uh you can remind joe that i'm still the champ don't worry joe will remember he's just uh i think he just felt sorry for me because it's been so long since i did something good for Supercoach. <laughs> all right let's jump straight into it tigers and knights uh, sunday 3 p.m or five past three to be precise got to watch those lockout times though playing at Leichhardt oval so key things here obviously look uh, might not be the case once the final team list run out but appy is named to start and uh, also Ofangawe is named to start as well, although there was a late swap last week with Twall getting the run on. Still no Johnny Bateman, which uh, sees Sean Blore named to start on the edge again, although, I mean, he's already had one low score because of concussion. Still get through all the protocols here. Uh, so that's the Tigers. Uh, the Knights, they do have Greg Marju hanging out on the extended bench there. So speaking as someone who has Heimel Hunt and hoping dearly he plays, uh, that's a little bit nerve-wracking there. We also have Dan Gagai back, who's forced Inari Tuala back to the extended bench. Adam Elliott's out because of his groin injury, and that's probably the only really noteworthy stuff there for the Knights, uh, aside from, like we mentioned before, Tyson Frisell does have to pass through protocols in order to play. What's your read on this game, mate? Obviously, both teams uh, didn't do so good in round one. Both would be itching to you know break their duck egg. Who, who, do, who do you have? <sighs> Honestly, I haven't thought about who's going to win this game. I, I'm, winning and losing doesn't mean a lot to me as long as as long as my guys uh, deliver. But I think it's interesting that the Tigers still haven't rolled out John Bateman. Um, I don't know what the official story is there. There's a few floating around. We'll, um, I guess we'll wait to see when the dust settles. But the people that took the risk on sort of Sean Bloor will be hurting after round one. I guess if he does pass the protocols, maybe you get another look at him. Yeah, other than other than Dewey being a, a star first week and hopefully he can continue that against the Knights. Yeah, there's a, probably a few people out there waiting for Marju to come back. You're not in that group. But yeah, keen to, hopefully Greg does come back and gets a look at at least a few of those early um, eight easy rounds or however many they have. I'm, I'm hoping Greg doesn't come back in round seven and just tough games, but averaging 50 in tackle bus. So, yeah, not, not a lot of interest here for me other than just watching the guys I have. There's no sort of trade-in, trade-out targets. Yeah, I think that's a good shout there. Obviously, for those who have Stefano as their second front row forward, there's probably some question marks over. I, I've seen a lot of people suddenly panicking and going, oh, look, I can't can't do this. I need someone else there. But I'm kind of thinking, look, he scored 38. He had decent minutes, I think. I mean, what really were you expecting? I think most people thought Stefano was probably a 40 to 50, like 40 is only two points more than what he gave you. I don't think it's too far off what you probably were signing up for. So, you know, look, if you want to put up your hand and go, look, I stuffed up, I shouldn't have gone with that build. Like we've obviously been pretty vocal, uh, like for me anyway. Like I've been all over joint. look, don't do it, make him your third if you can. I think, Matt, you said that as well. And like I think if you can... If you're okay to own up to that error and you'd like to, you know, strengthen it up a little bit, then that's fine. But at the same time, like if you've gone into this picking him as your front row forward too, he's pretty much giving you what you expected. So I don't think you should be too panicked really. Yeah, he's not Payne Haas and he's never going to be Payne Haas. Well, not in the next couple of years. And you paid 320K for him. So you only paid for say a 30 average and you got 38. In the grand scheme of things, you probably won if you use that money elsewhere in your team as you should have. But yeah, he's played one sort of mediocre game. I think that's an, a proper wasted trade. Yeah, and for those who took the punt uh, as a mid-ranger on Daniel Saifiti, look, 52 in round one, 
could be better, could be worse. Like I, I think this is this was my concern. He's always just going to be a bit middling, kind of just five points here and there, close to what you paid for him to start with, and I think that's what you're getting so far. So look, you're, you're dearly hoping he crashes over at some point, and that might give you a bit of a spike in his price, and then you can move him on. But outside of that, I don't think there's much else you can really expect at this point in time. Let's move on to the other game, uh, the final game of the round. So the Dragons, first game of the season for them against the Titans. The Dragons get to play this one at home. So probably the big news supercoach-wise is uh, Jack Bird named at lock and Ben Murdoch-Missilla named to start on the edge. Otherwise, I think it is pretty meh. Uh, like, you know, we don't have high hopes for the Dragons altogether. Generally, on the Titans side, look, Kieran Foran was named, but uh, surprise, surprise, ruled out as expected. So I think Jaden Campbell's coming in in 5-8. I don't know. Do you think they're going to play that way? Do you think Campbell goes to fullback or Brimson goes to 5-8 instead? It is interesting. Like, they've got Toby Sexton there on the extended bench, but they have said it's Campbell that's coming in. Um, I, I think he struggled to be a good enough ball player at fullback, let alone to be able to, to ball play like a six. Um, yeah, I, I, surely Brimson has to play six. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think like mid-game last week, they just stuck with Campbell at six. So maybe they're just going to persevere with it. Who knows? I, I'm i not overly excited by any of this. I think if anything, it just it's a bit of a downgrade to David Feeder. Now, we did talk previously about, you know, is he going to be one of your targets or... You know, if you didn't have Fafita, like would you lean towards a Cam Murray or, or someone else instead? I think for me, like this does take a bit of shine off it. Coupled with the contract uh, being signed and everything like that, I kind of think, you know, I'd, I'd probably find the money to go up to a Cam Murray or, you know, settle for a bit more meat and potatoes. But I had Carrigan, uh, you know, could be a much safer option than the Fafita who maybe stuck outside glue hands Campbell or. Blueham Sprimson, let's be let's be honest. They don't like to pass the ball very much at the Titans. Yeah, if, if Fafita like this just nails the coffin. If Fafita doesn't sort of kill it this week, there's there's a world where I, I want to get rid of him next week, um, knowing he's not going to have four and beside him for at least a couple. He's hasn't signed his contract. Oh, he's already signed his contract. Sorry. So yeah, there's a world where an 82 from Dave Fafita in round one. It, it's old downhill from here. Um, but I think it's safe, Will. We could have left these two games off, really. Um, there's not a lot of excitement there, is there? Yeah, no, look, I think uh, to be to be fair, and we'll probably come to this a bit later, but I, I think there could be some merit to considering maybe a captaincy option in that first one we talked about, but we'll, we'll come to that. But, yeah, look, that's enough of that chat there. We'll jump straight to our Crunching the Numbers segment. All right, so thanks again to Karma Gra Accounting for sponsoring the segment, crunching the numbers. If you want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it comes to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. This week, I'm jumping straight into a couple of interesting and I guess different centering options sitting around the $330,000 range, give or take. So First name I'm going to throw out there is Chance Nickel Klukstad, three twenty-seven thousand one hundred. Look, almost 50, uh, sorry, almost thirty-six percent rostered already, but scored seventy with a try in round one. He's not in my team at the moment, but I am very interested, as I've mentioned. And the the reason is is he scored fifty-five points in base and base attack. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar, base and base attack is what I refer to as your base stats. So that's your tackles, less missed tackles, your hit ups, basically. Your base attack is your tackle bus and your offloads, effective or otherwise. So 55 points of that 70 came from those uh, t- those types of stats. He had one error. Otherwise, he scored a try as a, you know, I think he just dived on the ball, if I'm not mistaken. So 17-point play there. Now, the reason I'm interested is because historically, he has had a couple of seasons where he's averaged 41 and 42 in base and base attack. And even in... 2021, before he is his uh, more significant injury to his neck, he was averaging 46.4 in his base and base attack in 50, sorry, in, in his five 80 minute games that season. So basically, the way I'm seeing this is even with a tough draw, Chance could be, you know, a safe 40 to 50 ish score. And if you get a lucky try here or there off a kick or something like that, he could push to like a 50 55 average and make some decent coin there. 
How do those numbers sound to you, mate? Yeah, he does um, does seem as safe as a Warriors outside back can get. And, and starting the season with a 70, there's obviously room for price rises there. The 36% owner, I'm, in, I'm actually surprised by that. I, I didn't think he'd be that highly owned. Um, and that's obviously going to go through the roof this week and next week. But um, yeah, those those base stat numbers are, are definitely appealing. I probably don't have the room to, to make that trade, but I can see people with their teams set up better. And I think we're going to look at some, some other guys that are set to make money. I think he's probably one of the safer options. Yep, I think I tend to agree. And if I am making a trade this week, he's probably one of the ones I'm more comfortable uh, moving to in that center wing area. The next name is someone who's a little bit more risky but looked fantastic in round one. That is the Hammer, Hamiso Tabuay Fido, 330,200, already on 25.1% of rosters. Hit a 76 last week with multiple attacking stats, but interestingly enough, 39 in base and base attack stats as well. Most of it is uh, in pure base, so that's where there's no... Uh, base attack so 37 points in runs and a couple of tackles he's not a big tackle buster (laughs) or an offloader so I think that's mostly his his game there now the hammer he's historically struggled to hold down uh, a fullback spot but that was obviously at the Cowboys where there was a little bit more competition there in his like again you know when he's played fullback the work rate's been up and down in 2020 he played seven games there averaging 23.4 in base and base attack. In 2021, only three games at fullback, averaging 41.3. And in five games in 2022, 25.6 was his base and base attack numbers. So I guess you could say, looking at that, historically, he is a little bit of a sub-30 kind of guy when it comes to his work rate, which, I mean, he's priced at basically a 29.30 average. So, you know, if you think the attacking stats keep coming, then that's fine. Or if maybe this move to the Dolphins maybe has sparked a bit of a, you know, turnover a new leaf, so to speak, and he's going to rip in every week. And that that's certainly within the range of outcomes. But for me, I'm definitely leaning towards a wait and see for Hammer. I'd like to see how he goes again this week. And if he's going to, you know, hit 35, 40 in base and base attack, I think I'd be a lot more interested. Uh, and, and would consider him a bit more for a round three trade-in potentially. How do you see the hammer? Yeah, I think if, if you think the attacking stats are going to keep coming with the Dolphins, you're willing to take a lot more risk than, than I ever will. And at $3,000 dearer than CNK, I, I don't think there's an argument where you could possibly go hammer over him. But if that's the kind of guy you are, you want someone, he probably might be more likely to score a try than chance, but... Both of them are, are probably quite low. So, uh, yeah, you can count me out on the hammer and you can count me out on the Dolphins, really. Yep. So for you, I guess you, you're seeing the the round one uh, against all odds victory as a bit of a one-off, not feeling too confident in the longer-term prospects, I take it. Yeah. Um, like markets don't get this kind of stuff wrong too often. They were $6.50 or something in their first game. And and I think, um, yeah, the odds will, will inevitably fall the right way and yeah they'll struggle they will struggle fair call fair call and the third guy i wanted to talk about is isaac thompson from the rabbitos 336,700 already on 15 percent of rosters scored 37 just this past week but that's purely in base and base attack stats again so uh we only we don't have that much uh you know film i guess you could say or, or numbers on thompson he's only played three games all up and that last year he played two games where he scored 42 and 36 in his base and base attack so there was a lot of hope in the preseason for Thompson, you know, hearing him having nailed down the spot. He looked better than Milne. And I think, you know, right now with Milne on the extended bench, there's a good chance that Thompson may continue to be ahead of him. I am really interested. I mean, he was the guy I really wanted to have as my, I guess, my more expensive center wing. And that's saying something. So I had Daniel Tupo and then I had uh, Isaac Thompson there. Uh, but yeah, some mid-round hijinks, which I'll go into a little bit later. <laughs> Uh, saw him depart my team, but I am very interested in bringing him back in. The Rabbitohs do have pretty tough runs still for the next two rounds, and it's not until realistically, I guess you could say, maybe round four, you could potentially say, although, you know, Manly, uh, the Seagulls are currently top of the table, but maybe it's round six before it gets a little bit easier for the Rabbitohs where they've got the Bulldogs and then the Dolphins followed by, again, the Panthers and the Broncos storm. So, they don't really have an easy draw very much. So you're really counting on that strong base and I guess just counting on the Rabbitohs being a good team, being able to score points against anybody really. So 
Is Isaac in your team? And if not, may he find himself there later? He's not right now. I guarantee he will at some point. I know, like you said, we both did own him at, at multiple stages throughout the preseason. I'm, um, I was very surprised actually how good the Rabbitohs looked going to the right. So if Campbell Graham could pass once or twice, that wouldn't hurt. But yeah, maybe best case scenario, and I'm being a little hopeful here, he doesn't score a try until round five or round six, um, sort of stays around the 350K and, and we jump on the, the 35 average base with a try every second week. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like Isaac Thompson. He's only new sort of-ish back to rugby league, I believe. So he's only going to get better with some job security under his belt. Yeah, I think that's the the story, right? Last year was such a feel-good story that someone who'd pretty much given up on playing footy and ended up getting one last shot and just trained his ass off got the gig and yeah, it just hasn't really looked back since then. So it's, it's great. I'd love to see him continue that. And, you know, obviously a good way to do that is to keep ripping in every week and, you know, getting through your work and finishing off the tries when you get a chance. So yeah, look, like I said, three different names. Uh, and I think three very compelling in, in, in many ways, I am tempted to take a, a, a punt on nickel Cook start this week as uh, probably the safer option being the fullback there. But yeah, afterwards I'll definitely be looking at the likes of Thompson and you know the hammers just on on the watch list. I'm not going to rush and bring him in, but there were some really positive signs in terms of how he's being used at the Dolphins. But you know, it's a one game sample at this point, so I'll have to wait and see there. Look, uh, thank you again to Carl. Get in touch with him if you need to do your taxes. It's not obviously tax season at the moment, but there's no harm in starting early. Or if you need to catch up because you are overdue, then yeah, get Carl to help you out there. He'll legally maximize your tax refunds. Doesn't matter if it's basic stuff or you're counting for things like rental properties, capital gains on share trading, even crypto trading. Carl can help you out and record everything correctly for you. Doesn't matter where you are, whether you're an individual or a partnership, company, trust, whatever it is, Carl can handle it all. And if if you, uh, doesn't matter where you're based in Australia or even internationally, Carl can help you out using video conferencing software. So yeah, Carl's, you know, he hasn't met some of his clients, even though they live in the same suburb. It just, that's how convenient technology is these days. So yeah, don't forget, Carl is doing a special for all Supercoach Champions podcast listeners, 99 bucks for a basic tax return. Even if you don't have a basic return to do, then Carl promises to look after you on price and yeah, always ready to have a bit of a Supercoach chat as well. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to look at captains now. Good morning, Captain. Speaking. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Savvy. All right, so round one, I was pretty happy to land a 97 for my captaincy, even with a little bit of uh, help from the unicorns for Tommy Turbo. Uh, look, <laughs> so look, it's a good start for me. I'm not, I'm not traditionally a, a strong captain uh, person. How I know one of the things that you did really well last year was to nail all pretty much all your captaincies all year. So look, I'm going to be looking to your expertise here, mate. <laughs> we'll talk vice captains. We'll talk some safe options, riskier options. We'll talk some combos. You know, looking at how you might structure your team in terms of using the loophole potentially this week. So yeah, who? What? What's on your mind firstly for vice captaincy? Is it Nathan Cleary? Is it? Well, I think the biggest thing on my mind for vice captaincy is dudes like Pele and and Campiera make it very difficult. Um, and I know last year, like you say, Wolf, I think nailing captains sort of did yeah allow me to to stay at the top for for so long. Um, I didn't use any VC loops outside the buy rounds. I don't think um, I always sort of tried to set myself up for it, but never never like to pull the trigger because you just you need such a high score right and then even then you're like oh I'm nervous then because I've, I've had my captain on who I thought the best choice was what if he goes better than this so I think I, I sort of shy away from vice captains and especially this round um, a lot of the easier matchups are back at the back end of the week like you've got the the Panthers and the Rabbits game one um, Sharks Eels game two like there's sort of four high-quality teams with high-quality attacking players. Like, obviously, Cleary is not a bad shout if you've got him there. I wouldn't put the captaincy on him because way better options, but a, a vice-captain, what say the Panthers bounce back? I don't know, Wilf, do you go – obviously, you've got to take into account 
your lowest scoring reserve, but what score would allow you to, to pull the trigger on the loop? Like I think I'm looking, I need at least one sort of 30 at least. I think early rounds, I'm looking at 150s and, and above. Uh, obviously, if they drop a 140, I'm going to have to think pretty seriously about it. But generally speaking, I don't even really start wasting my brain cells on that type of stuff unless they're hitting 150 plus. Like you said, we're going to have some single-digit guys in our in our reserves at this point in point of the season. So no, I don't stress too much about it. I'm going to whack the VC on whoever I think has got a 150 plus ceiling. And in my team, you know, that's the Latrell Mitchells, your Nathan Cleary's. Maybe Harry Grant for me at the moment. Otherwise, I don't really have anyone else that I'm really expecting. Oh, sorry, obviously Tommy Tober, but he's on the buy. But yeah, outside of those couple of guys, I don't really think I've got too many um, outside of, you know. What about uh, Hop God, mate? 100 in base and, and two tries. There's 160. Yeah, look, fair call. Uh, if you think that's going to happen, I'm not sure he's going to get to play 84 minutes this week. Uh, even 80 might be a stretch for him. So I think you know, the, him missing the last tackle. Uh, probably as much as he had a fantastic game and, and it was, you know, you can't fault his effort or anything he did. It, you know, it, I'm sure it weighs on the Brad Arthur's mind to think, well, I've probably left him out there for too long because he missed the, the crucial tackle that led to the game winner. So, yeah. yeah. He he only made seven interchanges in an 84-minute game. Um, uh, yeah. Not sure if he fell asleep at the wheel or was, was drinking water bottles too much. But, um, yeah, it wasn't. Probably wasn't one of BA's best games. But, yeah, I tend to agree. You need a ceiling guy for a VC. Um, I'll probably just throw it on Brian Toto. Hope he scores three tries. He's not going to. But if he does, he does. And put a lot of thought into who gets to see. I think I'm with you there. I'm, I'm throwing it on Cleary. I'm maybe throwing, throwing it on Luttrell, even though the injury is a little bit of a question mark there. But most likely, I think Cleary, because I've got Turbo... Most likely my uh, loophole because I don't really have any nuffs elsewhere. So I'm going to count on him as the buy. Just a you know public service announcement. So if your player's on the buy for that round, they lock out at the start of the final game of the round. So you can leave them really late. You can trade them out really late as well if you want to. Just keep that in mind. So yeah, strategically that's pretty handy there. But yeah, actually when, when I think about it though, because Luttrell plays the first game as well, so I'm going to be locked in. So I really don't have an option unless I'm going to trade in someone like you know, on a buy to, to loop later. Uh, most likely I'm just going to, you know, just VC Cleary and then see what happens. <laughs> yeah, be dumb. VC with the absolutely no intention of, of pulling the trigger. Um, I think that the question comes with captaincy, right? Like you've got anyone in a Roosters jersey in some sort of playmaking aspect, I think. Um, most likely Teddy, you can't. Surely you can't expect another 50 out of Teddy. Um, they've got to bounce back to an extent. Uh, you'd be crazy to own Joey Manu at this time of the year. Um, but, yeah, he's he's an option. Sammy Walker's an option. But I think Teddy's probably the premier Roosters guy. And then sort of on if you go towards the Sunday games, I think Fafita might be a stretch with no four. And so that's probably risky business. Guys like Brimo, even that... If he gets moved to 5'8", he's probably less running than he has at fullback. To me, it's, it's, there's three options. It's, it's either Adam Dewey, Jerome Hughes against the Bulldogs with no Munster. He's probably going to get his hands on the ball a lot or, or Teddy. I'm sitting with Teddy at the moment, but, but how do you think those three sound, Will? Yeah, look, I think if you have Teddy in your team, even if he got burnt last week by captaining him, I, I would double down. Like you started with him because you thought rounds one and two were going to be great. So if rounds one, round one wasn't, doesn't mean round two won't be. So I would, yeah, that's the easy, simple solution there. I can I can get around the Dewey. Uh, he's certainly in in contention for me as a captaincy option this week. And Jerome Hughes, look, it's a little bit out there. I didn't love what I saw from him last week. I thought he'd be a little bit more involved, but as you pointed out, with no Munster there as well as no Pappenhausen. It's really it's got to be Hughes and Grant, right? They've got to run the show, and I, for that reason, Grant's actually in contention for me as well as a potential. Look, you you, you might point to a score last week and say, look, junk time, you know, golden point try, a uh, golden try is, you know, it boosted the score from a sixties to a nineties plus. But I think the the main thing is is he's got a floor of around fifty five and sixty and a couple of attacking stats when you know he's going to be responsible. You'd think for at least uh, one or two of the tries, uh, yeah, he could easily raise that bat. So looking at Grant, looking at Dewey, 
Hughes I can get around, although he's not on my team. But if you had Teddy, I think he's the simple solution. Playing back at home seems pretty simple to me. Yeah, day game too. Teddy, another, surely you can't go slow in two day games. You'd think so. You'd think so. But like, yeah, uh, the Roosters were pretty poor. So have to wait and see. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, for me, it's just, I think you've got to back the pedigree on that one there. Yeah, agree. Agree. If you really had to throw a really wild one out there, uh, who would you go with? Would you, would you consider the Sam Walker play? Would you consider someone else like a, you know, a Suoli'i or Tupo or something like that? Or is that too, too out there? I think for feeders probably as out there as I'd like to go, right? Maybe maybe he's a different different beast than we thought he was and, and he, he's heard the whispers that people are like, oh, he's got his contract, um, he's done now. Maybe he comes out and shows he can play 5'8 and left edge back rower and, and does it all. Yeah, look, uh, it could be an interesting one. And you, well, we know with Fafita, all he needs is, you know, two two opportunities to score a try and that could be two times 40-point plays. And that's 80 points on the board plus whatever base he decides to get into. Yeah, so plus the five I can get points, around it. Yeah, plus the five points of base he gives you. There's 85. <laughs> hey, he scored 61 last week in base and base attack. <laughs> it was pretty impressive, all things considered. So who knows? Maybe Fafita is, is a genuine option. But, yeah, I'm... Um, I'm happy to have him in my team. I'm probably not going to put the armband on him, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, agree. agree. All right, I think we've dived through that in a bit of detail there. Let's take a quick break. March is here, which officially marks the beginning of what our friends over at Manscaped like to call fresh ball fall. Oh, yes. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Make sure to trim your bush with the best and let Mother Nature do the rest. Join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. Remember lads, when you trim the weeds, the tree always stands taller. Manscaped has the full package you need to level up your game this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling fresh as can be. To kick off your new routine, Use a Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you'll know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the new season with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code CHAMPIONS. Manscaped says clear out the leaves, it's your tree trunk's time to shine. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. All right. So, like we like to do on this podcast, uh, especially me, I'm I'm a I'm a fiend for diving into some deep strategic discussions. First one is look. Let's look at Cam Munster, someone who's obviously injured, worth a lot of money. You know, could have been a great pod at the start of the season for for someone like him to be rostered in so so little teams. Could have been fantastic, and he had a good game especially with the fractured finger, but is there an option to hold? I know we talked about this briefly. I feel like both of us, we were on the same page. We, you've got to trade him out. Right? It's too too unknown, too many risks to hold him for this long at the start of this, at this stage of the season, yeah? Yeah, mate. I think he's got to be a whole, uh, got to be a seller. I've tried to, to build a scenario where he is a hold, and I don't think there is one. Like, surely no one's team is that desperately broken after round one that you'd have to burn a boost to get rid of him. So, and there's, there's good options there. Like, Dewey, Dewey's who he is. Um, Ponga played well. Like, you, there's that option with Katoa um, being dual. Maybe you uh, move move Katoa down, bring in Lockie Ilias if, if you're desperate to make money, um, if that's what you're all about. I think that's outside the realms of, of my world, but... Yeah, like there's money making there in, in Ilias, um, even Hughes. But yeah, 
I can't formulate a world where holding Munster is the right move. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I know some people do have, say, like a Munster and Dewey combo, and they went with that with Katoa at halfback. I think even in that situation, I wouldn't be looking to hold him. You know, uh, if you're not sold on Ponga or, or any of the other five eighths, then yeah, just use Katoa, move uh, move Munster to a fullback, like you, you shouted out, Jerome Hughes. I think you know, on paper he has to step up, right? Just you can't just you can't leave it to Grant. And Meany and and you know whether it's Wishart or Pizette or whoever it is that plays five eighth, I just think he has to be more involved. So, yeah, I I, I see that as a definite option with the Storm having a pretty friendly draw on the whole. I'm definitely, yeah, I definitely don't think you can hold Munster, uh, even if it's a Ponga, you know, two three week play like it's, and, and you're just holding the money and waiting for Nico Hines to come back. That could be another play as well, but. Yeah, just you can't keep him there. It's just too too much money to to sit there. Yeah, look, I think we spoke about moving uh, Katoa down to get rid of Munster, but even if you don't have Katoa, I, I don't see a bad play in in bringing him in, banking the six hundred k, and um, yeah, probably telling Stefano back to the bench where he belongs, and you can get rid of Franklin Pele to, to someone decent like a Payne Haas or a Tohu. So although you look like you lose a reserve in the in the five eight position, you, you then seriously bolster your front row. So I don't think that's a, a horrible option. Yeah, I think that's a good good option as well. Uh, it looks like Katoa could be a pretty decent scorer. Uh, in a, finishing on forty two, I think in round one, and you know for someone who was mostly just there to kind of make his tackles and do bits and pieces here and there, like his you'd, you'd expect his role to kind of grow as the season gets. Yeah, as we move deeper into the season, so yeah, I like that. Like that call if uh, someone doesn't have Katoa there. So the next pressing question, I guess, is the you know some one that's quite close to my heart. It's what if you have Latrell and Turbo at fullback, and Latrell is ultimately ruled out. Now the latest is that he's uh, should be playing. He was at captain's run, was um, strapped up and had a bandage on the leg and all that, but it seems like he's going to at least roll out there. So that's fine. But if he is whatever reason not playing and you've got turbo as your backup fullback what do you think you should do look it probably sounds enticing we've just pumped up teddy for captaincy um but i think you've got to be a little more have a little more foresight and maybe go to someone you're you're willing to keep and potentially i know you've spoken about this so i'm going to throw to you shortly but potentially someone you can throw up into your centers at a later date so, like, there's obviously the option of of Chance. You spoke about his money making ability. I'm still quite high on Lockie Miller. Um, they've got not the world's worst matchup this week. Obviously, the trail being the first game of the round is a good good shout and get a good look at that early. So that's lucky. But yeah, I don't think you can you can hold. I wouldn't be taking an AE at at fullback. That that's that's disastrous. But um, yeah, just off the top of my head, maybe. Yeah, I'll throw get the Miller one bouncing around in your head because I think you've got a better idea than than Lockie Miller, do you? <laughs> no, look, I think uh, with with Teddy, that's probably the the obvious move, and I, I like I, I'm not going to talk anyone out of it if they think Teddy's the the go to there. You free up, you know, sixty odd grand, and you'll get a decent matchup. When yeah, like who else aside from Teddy is like a premium fullback player this week, basically. Everyone else has some risks. I mean, maybe you could go to AJ Brimson, uh, you know, pot up there. Uh, or you, you know, look, I don't mind the Miller shout. Like, he's got a strong base and you just kind of hope he gets a little bit more involved in attack, which I think the fact is he missed a whole chunk of the preseason, didn't get to train with his current team for most of it. So it's going to take time and maybe eventually it sorts itself out. But at the same time, you kind of, you do have someone really, really dominant in Kellen Ponga. At five eighth there, so maybe he just has to do his do his part, take lots of runs, and be kind of like the Dylan Edwards, the Audi Dylan Edwards to uh, the the I don't know the 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 wish Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, <laughs> and Kellen Ponga. That's very a bit harsh, but yeah, you get my point. Uh, look, if you want to get really out there, you could take a risk on someone like a Reese Walsh or, or whatever, even a Will Kennedy that you, you've you've experienced taking a punt on Will Kennedy in the past, so. Yeah, look, I, I don't anticipate it going as well as it did last year. So if you're going to buy Will Kennedy, it is not on my advice. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be on mine either. Just thrown out there, like it's not a bad week to have a bit of a punt if you don't want to go with Teddy. But look, it seems more than likely Latrell's going to be okay. So I'm I'm not too fussed about just uh, rolling Latrell out there. Now on that, uh, we've got a question from one of our champs. They want to know what to do with someone like Latrell at his price tag if they do have an ongoing niggle, which might impact their performance. So let's say this PCL issue is going to, you know, maybe it means he doesn't kick goals as well and maybe he's, his work rate, which is already a bit low, is even lower than normal. Do you think it's worth persevering with someone like a Luttrell or do you think it's uh, you've got to get, get rid of him, basically find someone who's going to you know, cost that much and perform at that price tag? Yeah, that, that's a, an interesting interesting thought experiment, I guess. Um, Luttrell's come out in the media with his typical shoot first, think later type approach. So I'd, I'd hope he... Um, can deliver something like his explosiveness, even with with the PCL niggle. Probably not a bad week just to get a look at it. They play the premiers. If he's ever gonna inject himself um, more, it, it's this week. So if, if you see him sitting back, um, yeah, not not participating as much as you'd like for an eight hundred thousand fullback, maybe you, you flick him next week. But. <sighs> To know that there's a niggle there, I know people play careers without PCLs. So, you, yeah, I think you hold for this week, but it's it's definitely a thought experiment you can run if by halftime of the game he looks completely disinterested. Yep, I think that's a good good shout. I, I wouldn't overreact. Uh, again, you know, he played most of last game. Not, not like probably two-thirds of it, I think, with that uh, PCL issue. So, yes, he was probably, you know, a little bit, uninvolved but that's pretty much Luttrell isn't it and he got involved at the right times when he had attacking stats for an offer and he got a bit of a junk field goal at the end just to you know rub it in (laughs) yeah I'm not too worried personally I think you know if he's goal kicking in practice even on the first day off like first day of training this week in a short turnaround it can't be that bad, you'd think, but you know. No, I think he was goal kicking without shoes on too. So I'm no uh, physio expert, but if you had any concerns about stability of your knee, you'd probably put some shoes on. Having said that, uh, Latrell may not always be thinking ahead like that. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but look, you kind of threw it at me before, but and I know we talked offline about this, where I'm I'm getting to a point where I don't know if it's me thinking a little bit too hard because I've got this fantastic start. Like I've never been in this position before where I'm that high up early on. Now I'm not saying, you know, we know super coaches are very much like you want to be a a front runner. You want to be out there amongst the leaders early on as much as you can. So, you know, for me, I was looking at my team. I was like, I could sit back and probably make no trades. That would be okay because I've nailed probably 80% of my cheapies or my guns bar maybe one or two, uh, scoring as expected or if if not better and the, the cheapies that are, are underperforming are the ones that everyone else has so there's no there's no one really in my team that I feel I need to address desperately except if like Heimel Hunt gets dropped or something like that <laughs> uh, and well I've got the you know the Franklin Pele's of the world as well which everyone else is sort of dealing with that too so in a sense I could just sit back and you know I've already got a, a little points buffer and a lot of people behind me but I kind of think one of the things I did last round was I was probably a bit distracted. You know, first round is always really busy for us, uh, you know, podcasters and things, people who who write super coach content. So let's just say I was playing around with trades mid round, so I couldn't just hit an easy reverse trade, uh, you know, undo changes button. And I left like I played around with a couple of options, like I traded at Stefano for Ben Murdoch Masilla because this is when the news dropped that he was going to start on the edge. So I was like. Right, what does that mean if I had that? So I, I traded him out and I looked at the cash and I was like, oh, okay, well, if I do this and I'll do that, and then I traded Isaac Thompson out for, I think, Braden Williami, um, just because, again, just seeing what I could do, all of a sudden I had enough cash to turn Egan Butcher into Joe Tarpanay. And I did that and I was like, oh, okay, I don't mind the look at that. And I just kind of sat on it. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll sleep on this overnight. So this is on Thursday night. Came back on Friday. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll look at it the next day. And Friday was just a write off. I was full on. In terms of how busy I was, I was like, yeah, okay. And I had in my mind, yeah, lockout's at 6 p.m., right? But that's daylight savings time. <laughs> so 5 p.m. Queensland time, it's rolled past and I'm like, oh, no, I haven't checked my teams. 
And by that time, it was too late. I couldn't reverse the trade. I'd locked in Joey Tarpanay. <laughs> so, look, in the end, like, I don't mind it. It's not the end of the world. It does leave me a little bit shorter than I would like for depth. Like, I was probably with Turbo. Knowing Turbo was going to be on the buy this round, I was hoping to have someone like a Stefano to roll out there. I don't. So I have to play someone like a Dury or a Murdoch Masilla, Sad Unseen, which I'm not really a big fan of either of those options. So this is where I'm kind of torn where I'm thinking, all right, because my team's fairly set, does this mean I should change up the way I look at things? Like my initial plan was do as little as I can. Don't plan trades for rounds three and four because, you know, I was banging on this about, about this all preseason. Because, though, like I don't see myself needing many, tra- needing many trades in rounds three and four because I'm pretty set. Can I actually play around with trading Turbo out this round because he's on the buy and actually getting myself an extra player for my 17 to get more points this week? And then if, say, someone like a Daniel Tupo who's got a buy in round four flops in round two and has a higher than I'd like break even, do I trade him down to Turbo in round three to free up some cash? And then I can also you know, swap around some of my other center wings and stuff like that. So this is the idea that's kind of popped in my mind. And I guess the broader question is, is do you think people should be really changing their trade strategy and, and plans based on how they scored in round one and how they feel they their team is set up based off, again, round one outcomes? I know that's a really, really long story and then long question, but I just wanted to give some context to it all. <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds like you were kissed on the proverbial in the first round there, Wilf. Um, <laughs> but like you did bang on about the pre- throughout the preseason um don't don't uh, try and plan trades and, and i didn't listen but it, it doesn't sound like the world's worst shout right when you when you think about it it's something that definitely if i was in the position you are i would be toying with in a similar way that um that you are the trouble is is we know that things can change in a week um it looks set this week and you you i'll give you another pat on the back you are inside the top 500 after week one but um i've shown it it's quite easy in the space of one week to drop thirty-three thousand places from first to thirty-three thousandth. so maybe don't lock yourself in but yeah no definitely I, there's the only problem then comes if say chance scores 40 and dory also scores 40 like you, you, you've burned a trade and not really achieved much. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. And the the only other thinking behind that, like, so yeah, the, the trade I'm considering is going from a turbo down to a chance and having him at fullback. Uh, and then I might, with my other trade, get rid of Pele, basically with the cash I free up. And, you know, what I do with that might be like, you know, depending on what the final teams look like, do I go Pele to a, like a Cheekam or someone like that who, you know, on paper should score much better and could even be playable this week if he gets 80 minutes on an edge. So those are kind of the ideas I'm playing with. And what that does is I've fixed up two of my issues, right? Brought in one of the cheapy center wings that I do want to have, get rid of Pele as an AE nightmare and probably a failed cow. And then, you know, like I don't need to do either of those trades in round three, which I guess it comes back to. Yes, I'm taking a little bit of risk on, on going to someone like a Cheekham or someone like that who I've only had one round to look at them. With Chanzo, I feel pretty confident just because we've got that history there. So I'm not so fussed on that. And, and that's where I was just, yeah, trying to trying to mull it over my head. Um, you know, on paper, the, the the probably the safer option just to do nothing and just cop Dury for a week or whatever it is. And I'll just, yeah, make trades, but then I might miss out on, I might not be able to get Chance and Cheekam and the Hammer or, you know, if Jermaine Osako scores 120 again, like you've got to get him in for that quick cash injection, right? So, you know, I, I won't be able to do all those things if that happens. So that's the other thing that's kind of pressing in my mind, uh, just trying to set my team up to make as quick cash as possible so I can upgrade some of the weaker areas in my team, namely my center wings, basically. Yeah. Look, if, if you're not first, you're last, Wolf. So um, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. <laughs> I've got I've got a little bit more time to think about it, but yeah, it's definitely um, compelling thought. I, I feel so. You know what, what we were looking at there is you know how much do we read into round one, um, particularly minutes. So you know I talked about Cheekam getting eighty minutes. There was obviously a few things that happened in that game, like HIAs uh, for to Davida Totola failing that, and then injury to Jai Arrow. So you know how much do you read into those kind of rotations when 
we don't have very much to go off. Like the the other probably the pressing question is someone like a Jackson Ford getting eighty minutes and Murata Niukore playing only sixty or so. And I think spending some time in the middle, like does that kind of do you do you overreact or do you just go, well look, it was just a one off. Should I just I'll just wait for another week before I do anything with that? At the end of the day, it is just a one-off, but it can quite quickly become become a pattern after this week. Look, we've got forty-six trades, so you, you do have the option there to to go early on on guys like Ford because that did look good, right? Eighty minutes for a two hundred and eighty k guy who actually looked busy. I like the shout, but yeah, you can't read into too much what happens in round one, right? Like. Maybe the, the coaches are just as rusty as, as some of the players. Especially, I keep coming back to Parramatta. I'm not quite sure what went on there. Like, surely Hodjo's not going to play 80 each week. So there's got to be some changes in other teams. I know the Ford near Corey one's interesting. All the whispers preseason were near Cora plays 80 minutes and not Ford. But did Ford just outplay him and, and Webster thought on the fly? Or, or were we just fed absolute hogwash? I think that's a good point, and I guess this is where we've just got to – you might need to take a punt. So, yeah, just to go back to my trade dilemma, like, you know, Pele to Ford is one of the things I could do potentially. And, you know, is it Cheekam? Is it Ford? It's basically taking a punt on one of those guys off the back of one week, thinking I'm going to get an 80-minute back rower starting, uh, you know, on for Cheekam on, on a pretty good side playing next to Cody Walker. And obviously for the Warriors, just – you know, there's potential, basically. It's interesting. Before round one, is there any chance Cheekam would have been in your side? If he was named to start, I definitely would have considered it. Yep, fair. So that's why I'm still looking at him very seriously. <laughs> what about Ford? Did he ever he ever get a shot? Because he was named to start, right? Yes, that's right. So for, for me, Ford, I was a little bit iffy on just because I guess this is – and it kind of ties into this other question, like not saying Ford is trash, but – he certainly hasn't been able to hold down a first grade spot and whether that's a coaching issue, whether the club he was at, but you know, how much stock do you put on someone's pedigree or their you know, on-field ability? Uh, and I think the follow-up question is, is it okay to take trash or bad players if you think they're going to make money? So again, maybe this is a bit harsh on Jackson Ford because I think he can be a good footy player. He showcased that in his debut season, but just hasn't really kicked on. So there's a good question there. Like he could easily be superseded by someone like a Josh Curran who has done it for a lot longer than Ford has, although he's been off the boil for some time. See, that's my hesitation. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, looking at the bench, looking at the fact that Jester Vung is coming back in a couple of weeks. I think he's named a reserve grade this week, so he'll find his way back into the top 17 sooner rather than later. You know, Josh Curran could step up a bit more. Uh, Mitch Barnett, you know, had a good first game. Does he demand more minutes near Corre? could force himself to be the 80-minute guy. Like there's And, and there's even Bailey Sirenen who's coming back from injury as well. So there's some big question marks there in the pack where if Webster decides to choose certain makeups of the bench, it could certainly take the shine off forward quite significantly. So that's kind of why I stayed away from him as a starting point and hence why, you know, you watch round one, he was probably one of the best forwards on the ground for the Warriors and maybe that's good enough to take a risk on him. That's saying a lot because the Warriors do have a good forward pack, right? Like AFB is is a, a great player. Barnett, Harris, near Corey, and then and he's throw forward in the mix. Like you said, Curran. There's got to be some smaller minute games there because both Ford and Harris played 80. Um, I don't think you can bank on 80 for both of those guys for the rest of the season. That that does put the pressure on, on Ford. Although at 280k... It, it negates a lot of that risk. We took the risk on Pele at 2.16 and, and he played eight minutes. So, Yeah, that's a very, very good point. So, yeah, certainly uh, Ford is probably not you know, the worst punt if you did want to take a risk on someone. You know, an 80-minute back rower, even a 60-minute back rower at sub 300K is certainly a decent option when they've shown they can get some pretty decent scores like Ford has in the past. Yeah, and you... Sorry, mate. You you say he doesn't have the world's best pedigree. I think um, you're probably about to lead into two guys whose pedigree he's a lot better than in in your man Quadzilla, and and my least favorite player in the league, Hammer. Oh, I just can't. Every time I look at the app and I see how many people have traded them in, I just want to privately message each and every one of them. <laughs> that seems a bit extreme because look, we, we've seen Jermaine Osako realistically 
you know, have those spike games and make quick cash for the Broncos. And obviously with him moving to the Dolphins, like there's a world where he does do that again. But yeah, for me, it's pretty pretty clear. If Psycho is sitting there with a neg 50 break even or something like that, then yeah, I'll probably roll the dice on him because you, worst case scenario, he gives you, you know, a couple of middling scores, 30s or whatever, and he still makes 50 to 100 grand even in spite of that. So in that situation, I think, yeah, you, you, you can't, it is okay to take some you know, subpar players. They are going to make some quick cash. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tougher when it's like you need them to maintain relevance for a period of time. Like Ford, for example, you need him to be 60 to 80 minutes for an extended run to be able to make the cash unless he's come, somehow coming into round three with a negative 50 plus break even as well, which I'm not, not expecting to see. Depends how he goes this week, and it's a pretty tough matchup too. So it's a tough one. Oh, well, like, I'm not going to pretend I've got the answer there. It's something I'm wrestling with myself, but I, hopefully the the discussion and the thought process behind it all might help you figure some thoughts out there. Uh, I think we've gone on for long enough here, so we might finish up here for today. Thanks again for listening. Uh, quick shout-out again to the Patreon, patreon.com slash supercoachchampions. Thanks for anyone who's jumped on since, um, obviously, we've started this season. All right. Any last words there, Matt? No, nah, mate. Hoping for a uh, a better week for myself and, and a similar week for yourself and Joe, mate. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking and, and finally we get some scores to, to back that up. So, yeah, look, I know we were all we thought the first team was Tuesday was Christmas. Look, I, I'm, I'm not disappointed about this week. So let's, let's see how we go. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, mate.